This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Biden administration has taken its vaccination or test prescription for federal employees to return to the office. A big step further. Now it's ordering all federal employees to become vaccinated as part of a six-point plan to rein in the stubborn pandemic. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me with the details and some of the reactions. And Nicole, what do we know about this executive order for federal employees? Well, Tom, the executive order itself is pretty brief, so the, we're not going to find a lot of details in the order itself. And it really just simply requires that executive branch agencies, and that is a key here, executive branch agencies, excluding the Government Accountability Office, stand up a program requiring COVID-19 vaccinations for all federal employees. And White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, she gave a little bit more detail on this order the other day. She said that federal employees will have 75 days to get vaccinated. And for those who fail to comply, agencies will ultimately go through a process of dealing with those people. She said they'll provide counseling to those who don't comply and employees will eventually face progressive discipline. And as you know, and as we've covered extensively here, Progressive discipline, I mean, that is a process, as the phrase implies. You know, it often starts with a chance to improve or to correct your actions. In this case, it would be to get vaccinated. It then moves on to, you know, a notice, a period of notice given to the employees about a potential disciplinary action, a chance for the employee to respond, and really a back and forth between the two parties there. So it's not as if employees would get let go immediately, although that is an option. The change there then is really kind of binary that they're asking for. Either you had the vaccination or you didn't. It's not something that there's a lot of subtlety in interpretive ability in the case of improvement. That's right. And I think another key to this is that there is no vaccine or testing. And that doesn't necessarily surprise me because it's unclear how many agencies actually establish any testing regime since the administration announced that requirement back in July. As far as we know, there have been a lot of problems with that, a lot of questions about funding and the physical ability to set up testing programs. And so this does away with all of that. A couple other things I'll mention, employees will have an opportunity to request a medical or religious accommodation, the White House says, although the order doesn't specify that exactly. And the Safer Federal Workforce Task Force will have new guidance on this policy within seven days, and that's according to the executive order. And what about federal contractors? Was there an order for them also? There was a separate order for federal contractors, and this one is significantly more complex. So my understanding of it is that it directs agencies to include a specific clause in their federal contracts and contract-like instruments, essentially requiring that companies comply with COVID-19 guidance from the Safer Federal Workforce Task Force, which is requiring vaccines. The task force has more time to develop guidance for contractors, and then OMB has to approve it and then publish that as new requirements in the federal register. And then ultimately, the Federal Acquisition Regulatory Council has to amend the FAR and include these requirements in federal procurement solicitations and contracts. And it has to work with agencies to embed them in physical individual contracts starting in early October. There are some exceptions, but in general, the new requirements apply to all federal contracts subject to the FAR that's new and current ones. It doesn't apply to federal grants or individual contractors who might work 
say, outside of the United States. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, so I guess they don't want to reopen with vaccinated federal employees, but contractor employees on site are not vaccinated. So at least there's a harmonization, I guess, in there. What are the reactions you've heard so far to this? So it's been a real mixed bag, Tom. Um, The National Treasury Employees Union this morning when the announcement was made about an executive order you know, pretty much acknowledge that the federal government has a legal right to do this and that it would pretty much its role would pretty much would be to monitor the implementation of this executive order. The American Federation of Government Employees, though, was, I think, a little bit more critical. And, you know, it said that while it believes in the efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines, it wants to bargain over the changes uh, with agencies on this. And that's a stance that it took back when the administration announced its original vaccine policy, and it continues to believe that today. I will mention, you know, when I tweeted out that response earlier from the American Federation of Government Employees, I did get some reactions to it. And and one of them I thought was interesting, that employees said that unions have a right to protect employee safety. And from their standpoint, having employees vaccinated equaled safety. And so for them, I think, you know, there's going to be mixed reactions to this. I'll also just mention some, again, differences in opinion among some other groups. You know, the Senior Executives Association said it fully supported the new policy, while the Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association essentially said it didn't and would look into, you know, potential legal landscape, it said, uh, for this executive order. At the same time, we've heard from some congressional Republicans who also oppose this. Interesting. And is there any indication so far of how this overlays with the telework flexibilities that have been in place? That is to say, if someone doesn't get the vaccine, but they had no intention of coming in because they're teleworking, that hasn't all been resolved yet, I'm imagining. It hasn't been resolved, but the order applies to all federal employees. It doesn't delineate between those who are on site versus those who might be teleworking. And at the same time, the administration, the task force, as it's put out guidance on the original policy, has wanted all federal employees, regardless of telework status, to attest to their vaccination status. I'll also mention, Tom, that, you know, we're hearing about agencies pushing back their return to work plans. You know, the Transportation Department apparently push those plans back to October, potentially November. Others are considering similar delays. And so I don't necessarily know that these two policies are tied together here. So in other words, it seems to be pointing to the federal employee workforce as a model of the population for preventing the spread generally out there, which is the main priority that the Biden administration has been chasing. Yes, that's what the White House said when it announced these executive orders. And one thing I will add, Tom, this order doesn't specify any changes for specific agencies that have already mandated the vaccine. I'm talking about the Defense Department, the Department of Veterans Affairs and Health and Human Services. The White House says those agencies will continue along the path that they've already been on. And as we've previously talked about, Yes, there is a vaccine mandate in place, at least at VA, but there's no disciplinary consequences, at least just yet. So in your estimation, having followed this all from the beginning, does this clarify things or does it keep things kind of muddied the way they've been? I think for now, until we see that guidance from the task force, things are still a little muddy. We've heard a lot of guidance and a lot of mixed things from the task force updates every week or so. And so I think we're going to need to see what will come specifically 
from the administration in, it appears, the next week or so. And the shorter the order, the more extensive the guidance generally, huh? That's a good estimation of what might happen, Tom. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thank you. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco. Check out her story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Still to come on Federal News Network as we commemorate 9-11, a Tuesday like no other, we'll hear from the Navy reservist and FBI agent who walked a cadaver dog through the wreckage at the Pentagon. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, 
um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from 
the Pentagon, they stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact, but don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first night back kind of sleep. Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.